Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Leech Lounge. I'm Hunter Leach, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different topics today here in sports, such as the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, the NHL draft, the NBA finals concluding, a college conference shakeup in the NCAA, some MLB, NFL, and a bunch of other more news. So let's just jump right into it. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the Seattle expansion, since it's one of the more recent news that came in and it's pretty prominent in the sports world right now considering the fact that seattle is a brand new team how much impact it's really having on the nhl right now so what i'm going to do with seattle is i'm first going to go through their entire roster lineup that they drafted it it was really nice to see a lot of the presentation that they did it was very cool to see the background setting that they had the draft on it was nice seeing the seattle legends come out from the supersonics to the Seattle Seahawks, all of them coming out, which is awesome. Even some Mariners players, current and old, was a really nice touch. And to have some of the more higher noted players that they drafted come out was really nice. And we finally get to see the away jerseys of the Kraken. Those jerseys, their home and away jerseys, have to be some of the most clean jerseys in the NHL already. I just love the shades of blue and the nice tint of red. The logo is fantastic. Seattle really knows how to make a uniform across all their leagues. And so now I'm just going to introduce you to the Seattle lineup. I'm going to go team by team. I'm going to start with the divisions, but I'm just going to read off the team and then I'm going to say who they picked. From the Boston Bruins, they selected Jeremy Lazon. From the Tampa Bay Lightning, they selected Yanni Gord. From the Toronto Maple Leafs, Jared McCann. The Florida Panthers, Chris Dreiger. Montreal Canadiens, Kale Fleury. Buffalo Sabres, Will Borgen, Ottawa Senators, Joey Decord, Detroit Red Wings, Dennis Cholowski, Washington Capitals, Vedic Vanek, Philadelphia Flyers, Carson Tawarnski, Pittsburgh Penguins, Brandon Tanev, Carolina Hurricanes, Morgan Geeky, Columbus Blue Jackets, Gavin Bayruder, New York Islanders, Jordan Everly, New York Rangers, Colin Blackwell, New Jersey Devils, Nathan Bastion, St. Louis Blues, Vince Dunn, Colorado Avalanche, Jonas Donskoy, Dallas Stars, Jamie Olesiak, Winnipeg Jets, Mason Appleton, Nashville Predators, Yale Yonkroy, Minnesota Wild, Carson Soucy, Chicago Blackhawks, John Quinville, Arizona Coyotes, Tyler Pitlick, who they actually traded, by the way, immediately after the first day. So he's the longest, shortest tenured Kraken of all time. Tyler Pitlick is a legend in Seattle. Edmonton Oilers, Adam Larson, Calgary Flames, Mark Giordano, Vancouver Canucks, Cole Lind, Anaheim Ducks, Hayden Fleury, Los Angeles Kings, Curtis McDermott, and the San Jose Sharks, Alexander True. So overall, I'd like to say Seattle, I, I think they did a pretty good job with their roster, putting together what they did from the expansion draft. It looks pretty similar to what Vegas did back in 2017. There's only so much you can do with the unprotected and protected players. The players most noting, I would say, from this is definitely Chris Dreiger. Brandon Tanev was a great pick. Jordan Eberle, Adam Larson, Mark Giordano, Hayden Fleury, I think, was a nice choice. And I think the best one of them all is probably Yanni Gord. Jared McCann's a great pick. So there, there's a lot of good talents. Seattle went very defensive heavy in this draft, and they also went very young. A lot of the, the average age of a lot of these players was around 23, 24 years old. I, I think they did a really good job at bringing in a lot of players that have a lot of future potential. 
because a lot of these players are very unproven. It's not like Seattle was getting these high-end prospects that are very, very good already that other teams unprotected. No, these a lot of these some of these are very good players, and then the other ones are they have potential or they just need a new fresh start. So I think Seattle did a really good job. And Seattle, as we know, we have the NHL draft, which I'm going to be talking about next. And then they have free agency because obviously Seattle has a ton of cap. With all that cap room, Seattle is only going to add to their roster. And the Seattle team could look very good. And do I think that they'd go on a run that Vegas would go on? I guess it depends on their free agency acquisitions because Seattle looks like they could be a playoff team. And in the division that they're in, when you have four teams in that division that are bottom four teams, Sharks, Kings, Ducks, Canucks, all four most likely won't make the playoffs. It really says a lot about that division because the Oilers and Flames, I mean, even the Flames are on the downturn. The Oilers are really the only team that could give them big competition, but we'll just have to wait and see. Shifting over to the NHL draft, I'm only going to go through the top 10 picks or like I did in the last episode with the MLB draft, just because there's so much to go through. And these are really the top 10 notable players. The first couple things I wanted to go through first, I'm going to announce the picks. I'm going to say the team that they were from and then obviously where they were. Some of these are collegiate players in the NCAA playing in the United States. Some of them are just U.S. players that haven't been to college and others are from other countries. So the first overall pick was the Buffalo Sabres, and they selected defenseman Owen Power from the University of Michigan. Following was the Seattle Kraken, selecting Matthew Beniers, a center from the University of Michigan. The Ducks selected Mason McTavish, a center from Petersburg out of the OHL. Fourth, the New Jersey Devils reunited their former pick, Jack Hughes, with his brother Luke Hughes, a defenseman from the USA U18 team. In fifth, the Blue Jackets selected Kent Johnson out of Michigan. At sixth, the Red Wings selected Simone Edvinson, a defenseman out of Sweden. At number seven, the Sharks selected William Eklund. Number eight, the Kings selected Brant Clark, a defenseman out of Barry in the OHL. Number nine, the Coyotes, who traded up with this pick, selected Dylan Gunther, a right winger out of Edmonton in the WHL. And rounding out the top ten, the Ottawa Senators selected Tyler Boucher, right winger from the USA U18 team. So there's some pretty good representation from the United States in the top 10, which is pretty surprising that six of the top 10 are from the United States, which is very uncommon because, you know, usually you see a lot of Canadians, Swedish, Finnish players that are usually in the top 10 that are the more well-known, especially Canadian. But considering the fact that there was three Michigan, three University of Michigan players inside the top five is just ridiculous. And the fact that probably all three of them will go back to play for Michigan is just insane. Throughout the first round of the whole draft, the first whole round of the draft, Michigan had picks galore in that first round. So don't be surprised if you see Michigan a lot on that board. And don't be surprised if you are a NCAA fan, if you like watching hockey in the Frozen Four, kind of like how the NCAA tournament is the Final Four expect Michigan to be in there because they are full of talent and I expect them all to come back. Some of the teams that I thought had the best draft, I think the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets had a fantastic draft. The Blue Jackets continue to make great offseason moves. Hurricanes continue to just load up on young talent. Some of the worst drafts, I think the Senators really swing and a miss by the Senators. Not, not only just in the first round, like Tyler Boucher was an odd pick at the number 10, but just throughout the entire draft, just don't get me wrong, the Senators already have like a top five, top three prospect pool, 
imagine how much better they could have made it if they would have hit on certain draft picks. Now, I could be wrong because these players could immediately, like you never know, Tyler Boucher could be the number one player of this entire class by the end of his career. Never know. I think the Kings had a pretty weak draft class, but again, the Kings are also, they have the best or the second best draft class in the NHL, so it really doesn't matter. And the Edmonton Oilers, I think their pick when they traded down from 20 to 22 was really, really bad. A goalie was right there for the taking, and they decided to trade down. And a lot of their picks just really didn't make sense. I don't know what Ken Holland's really doing with the Oilers. It seems to be a lot of questionable moves. They still got McDavid and Dreisaitl, I guess. So only time will tell. Next, I wanted to go over some notable NHL trades. So Seth Jones got traded, and he is making his way to Chicago. In return, Columbus got a pretty good haul. Jones, in my opinion, is the most overrated defenseman in the NHL. Seth Jones, just for some reason, everybody thinks that he is a superstar. When I'm going to be honest with you, he's not. I think the Chicago Blackhawks made a very, very bad move. And I think that Columbus, this was one of the things I was talking about when I said that Columbus was making a very, very good offseason, not only with trades, but the fact that they were making good, smart moves with their draft picks. So here's what Seth Jones ended up signing for when he went to Chicago. He signed eight years, $9.5 million per season. This makes Jones the third highest paid defenseman in the National Hockey League behind Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty. Jones is not the third best defenseman in the NHL. That's not really how it works because, I mean, Carlson and Doughty aren't top three either. But the fact that he is getting paid top three level money is ridiculous and shouldn't even like be allowed. That is, the Columbus Blue Jackets should be in trouble for highway robbery after everything that went down with them. The fact that they got out of paying that money and Chicago had to give up a good prospect in defenseman Adam Boquist, the number 12 pick in the draft, and the number 44 pick in the draft for Seth Jones. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It blows my mind. But maybe Seth Jones will become something. I, I don't know. I don't really understand what that was going for. Chicago, I think it's a bad move. It's an, it's an upgrade over, over Duncan Keith, but not for the contract. A quick one-for-one one trade. Uh, Philly, the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, acquired Cam Atkinson. And in exchange, the Columbus Blue Jackets got Jakub Voracek. Pretty good one-for-one. One. I think it's beneficial for both teams. It was weird because Cam Atkinson loved playing in Columbus. He was one of the longest-tenured guys there. And he gave his heart and soul to the city of Columbus. And Columbus was willing to trade him. All for Voracek. Now, I think Voracek will work a lot better in Columbus than he has been recently in Philly. And I think Cam Atkinson will fit well in for Philly. But it's such an odd move. And the last trade I want to go into is Jake Bean, defenseman for the Carolina Hurricanes, was also traded to Columbus, which, again, is a really odd trade because I, I thought Carolina would have kept him because he's such a young, good defenseman. And again, Columbus adds another good young defenseman. It blows my mind. Columbus has been getting away with this highway robbery. But the final trade I want to go with is the Buffalo Sabres decided to make another trade. So they traded Ristolainen to the Philadelphia Flyers earlier in the week. But the trade I want to most notably talk about is trading away Sam Reinhart. So the Sabres traded Sam Reinhart to the Florida Panthers in exchange the Florida Panthers gave up their 2022 first-round pick and goalie prospect, Devon Levy. But the problem is, 
if the Panthers pick, it is lottery protected. If the Panthers pick ends up in the top 10 in 2022, then the pick moves to 2023. This is such a good move for the Panthers because Sam Reinhart is such a good player that doesn't get enough credit for what he's done in Buffalo because he's on such a bad team. Buffalo, again, I don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, they acquire another first-round pick. Yes, they have a young talent, but they don't have a good prospect pool. And Levy could become an amazing goalie because Levy is a very highly touted goalie prospect, but the Florida Panthers have Spencer Knight, so they don't really need another goalie prospect. They already have their future goalie. There's not really any reason to keep him around and develop him. And Reinhardt's only 25. Now, he hasn't turned into this superstar player that he was expected to getting drafted second overall. And it's funny because now he's going to be joining the man who was drafted before him in the 2014 draft, Aaron Ekblad, who was drafted number one overall by the Florida Panthers. So now the Florida Panthers will have the number one and number two picks on their team from the 2014 draft. I think this is a huge win for the Florida Panthers. Florida, in my opinion, has one of the scariest rosters in the NHL. I know their division is really bad to be in, but please look out for Florida in the future. They're going to be so good. I hope that they win because it sucks seeing the same teams win every year. I'd love to see Florida win it. Shifting over to the NBA, I want to talk real quick and give a nice shout-out and congratulations to Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks on winning the NBA championship this year. The Bucks faced adversity after being down 2-0 in the series, and they won four straight against the Phoenix Suns to claim their second-ever NBA championship in their first finals since 1971. No shock, Giannis wins the finals MVP, and the Milwaukee Bucks just, I think they deserved it. After seeing how that city reacted to winning it, just there, there was no way Milwaukee did not deserve it. The journey that Giannis has been on, a tall, skinny kid from Greece, coming over to the NBA and becoming the player that he is, it, it's amazing. Do I think Milwaukee will be back? I don't know. I mean, Milwaukee still has a, is still going to have the same core, and they can always build back. They're a playoff team. We'll see if they ever get back. But will the question is, will the Suns ever be back? I'm going to be honest with you. I think there's a chance that they could, but I think that's the last we've seen of the Phoenix Suns for a while because Chris Paul ain't going to lead that team to another championship. I don't think that team's going to win, be back until Chris Paul is gone. They got to keep Devin Booker. They got to keep DeAndre. They got to they gotta make sure that that core is still there and add on that and hope that some of their younger guys develop like Josh Jackson and Bridges. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Maybe the Suns will surprise people and they'll keep going. They're very well coached by Monty Williams. This isn't about the Suns. This is about the Bucks. Congratulations to Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, all of them. They did a great job. I, I think that they really proved to us. They proved a lot of people wrong. They got a lot of the Suns fans out there really mad. I was surprised that they won. I had the Suns winning in six. I got the game right, just the team wrong. So, again, congratulations to the Bucs. It was well-deserved. Switching over to good old baseball America's pastime, we, we, got a, uh, we got a name change coming up here. A name change. We got a new look. So we all knew that the Cleveland Indians were going to change their name and they were going to have a new name starting next season that this season would be their last year known as the Indians. I didn't think we were going to get the name change as quick as we did, but we already have the name. The name of the team is going to be the Cleveland Guardians. Basically, the Cleveland Guardians is named after the Guardian Bridge, which is 
the bridge known as the Guardian of Transportation, which is leads right into the field, which is right next to it. And it just has pictures of these huge, ginormous stone men that show off pictures of all kinds of transportation that have went across the bridge. I think the name change could have been worse. I think Guardians is just such a basic name. I think the logo is pretty cool, but I think with the wings, I mean, it looks like the Angels. It looks like the old Angels logo. Like the word marks and everything, like it, it's all the same. I get it. There's not really much that they can do with it. I personally, I know a lot of people wanted the Cleveland Spiders. And I know that you could have done so much more with a uniform with Cleveland Spiders than Guardians. We'll have to see what the uniforms look like. I'm sure they're just going to stay pretty basic around like what the Indians wear now. Hopefully they look a little bit different, so it's not just a copy and paste word mark, uh, logo change, and font, all of that. Hopefully they change a lot more than just that. And some other quick little uh, baseball news. Nelson Cruz made his way to the Rays. He got his first home run the other night. Nelson Cruz is a big bat to be adding to the Tampa Bay lineup. I think it's so nice of him to get out of Minnesota because Minnesota has been so bad a while now. And even when they were competing, just Minnesota, they, they get bounced out of the wild card or they win the division. They get bounced easily out of the division around. They get swept in three games. Nelson Cruz put him on a winning team. The Rays got a chance to possibly win the World Series again or at least make it back. And I think Nelson Cruz definitely does give them that chance to possibly get back. We'll just have to wait and see. I have no idea what's going to happen with them. But Nelson Cruz, I'm excited to see him in a Rays jersey. And Adam Frazier is making his way to the San Diego Padres. So my hometown of the Pittsburgh Pirates are wheeling and dealing again. They're dealing away all their best players. Brian Reynolds is probably next. So the Padres in exchange gave him back three prospects. Adam Frazier to the Padres is such a weird move because, again, I don't really think the Padres needed a second baseman. I guess if they decide to move Jake Cronenworth to first base, put Adam Frazier at second, and maybe make... Eric Hosmer sit on the bench, which is weird because they're paying Hosmer so much money. Unless they put Adam Frazier in the outfield, which he can play, but it's such a weird situation. Frazier is a hitter. He's not a he's not gonna get you a home run. He's not gonna hit for power. He's a guy that hits it on the ground, legs him out. It's a nice pickup and it's a nice haul for the Pirates, but I think it's such an odd trade that honestly, I don't really think should have happened. Only time will tell to see how it happens. I am excited to see how Adam Frazier looks in a Padres uniform just to see if it works out for him because he may struggle in his first time getting there because that's just how usually people are when they change new scenery. But we'll just have to see. Maybe he does well. I hope he does do well because he's really having a really great season. And I want to see what his hit total ends up at the, at the end of the year because he's really having a fantastic year. Started off with an all-star with a Pirate, and he may just get a World Series with the Padres. So the next thing I want to talk about is I want to shift off over into the collegiate level. So recently, we have seen a absolutely huge move that two of some of the biggest schools in the United States want to make. And... This when I was at work, I was at work at my internship when I saw this news and I told my boss and he was absolutely shocked because we work in sports at the collegiate level. He was absolutely blown away and we started listening to it on ESPN and we thought it was crazy. But the University of Texas and Oklahoma want to join the SEC. So they are trying to leave the Big 12 and they want to move to the SEC. 
first of all, this is just an absolutely huge thing for collegiate sports. I would have never thought in like a thousand years or even in my lifetime that I would have ever seen these two try and even move to the SEC or even see, I know we've, they've talked about for years, like doing power four conferences or power five conferences. I never thought it'd be, become reality because nobody ever thought that one of these colleges would make a move. So Texas and Oklahoma already informed the big 12 that they are leaving. The big 12 is in trouble. And personally, I think that this is the end of the big 12. I think that we will never again see the big 12. I think they're done. And honestly, I think college sports is about to get a huge wake-up call. Because, again, if you lose the Big 12, if you're collegiate sports, you're the NCAA right now, you lose the Big 12, What do you? where do you go from? Basically, this is how I see it. You have only a few moves to make. Either do, I think the best move is to make your Power 4 conference. I think you keep the ACC, you change the Big 10 into the Big 16, you have the Pac-12 into the Pac-16, you have the SEC, and if you want to keep around the Big 12, you have to make them the Big 16. So 16 seems to be a common theme if you really want to get rid of all these conferences. Because a lot of other of the bigger conferences, like the Mountain West, uh, the Midwest, the MAC, all of them that aren't the power conferences, they're getting in and saying, hey, we understand and we're prepared to basically jump in and become these, you know, these big schools. In my eyes, if you're going to make these moves, where do these schools go? Where does the shifting happen? So first, let's start with the ACC. So the ACC is going to consist of Virginia, Notre Dame, Louisville, Boston College, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Syracuse, Pitt, Florida State, Duke, Miami, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Wake Forest, and Stanford. So in the Big 16, we have Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa State, Northwestern, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio State, Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland, and Purdue. For the Big 16, we have Colorado State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Memphis, Air Force, Tulsa, Wyoming, Cincinnati, Houston, University of South Florida, Louisiana Tech, Rice, Baylor, University of Central Florida, SMU, and North Texas. In the Pac-16, we're going to have Washington, Utah, Oregon, Boise State, Washington State, BYU, Oregon State, Colorado, USC, California, Arizona, Texas Tech, UCLA, Stanford, Arizona State, and TCU. And in the SEC, we'll have Texas, Ole Miss, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Missouri, Florida, South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and Kentucky. And by the way, for the ACC, I did not mean Stanford. I meant North Carolina State. I apologize. on Basically, I know that this is just an initial one. I've seen this and I do kind of agree with a lot of the things that it has on here. And I know this really hurts a lot of other conferences out there, but what else can you really do? Do I think this would work? Yeah. I think a lot of uh, other smaller schools getting in on these big five, big five power conferences would really help. It would 
get more exposure for them. But what do you do for the lower schools when they're not involved? Well, that kind of hurts them a little bit. I know that that's not the greatest news for them. But that's what happens when Texas and Oklahoma decided that they wanted to join the SEC. But I think that's the best option if you're going to have 16 in every single conference. So this will have 16 for all five conferences, all divisions, all split into two divisions that will be each divided with eight teams. It's perfectly set up. I guess the only thing the NCAA has got to figure out is how the heck they're going to pay everybody and how they're going to pay the athletes and how are they going to fix the college football playoffs because that's a another project they got to figure out. The NCAA is certainly in for quite a ride for the rest of the summer. The school year is coming up quick, and I can't believe that Texas and Oklahoma decided to do this right before, right before the school year is about to start. Because once August hits, you know, sports are going to be coming back. Football comes back in the beginning of August. Some of them come back the end of July. They might already might already be back. Way to go, two of the big programs. Way to go, two big 12 schools in Texas and Oklahoma. I'm interested to see what they do. So another thing I want to talk about is the Green Bay Packers in the NFL with their big struggles of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So Rodgers and Adams both declined their extensions. Rodgers was to become the highest paid quarterback in the NFL on a two-year extension, and he declined that. And Adams decided to decline his extension as well, considering the fact that he was also supposed to be being paid massively underpaid also Zadarius Smith another one of their top players is also having issues with a contract extension and just talking to the team in general so the Packers were always a team that I thought to be a very well-run organization as you know they're the only team in the league that doesn't have an owner they are run by a CEO is their top their owner technically is a CEO since anybody can buy shares in the organization I've never seen so much dysfunction in an organization in recent memory, and I've seen the Houston Texans. I've seen the Cleveland Browns. I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I know what dysfunction is in ownership. But it seems so weird for a team with such long history of success and well-management of the Packers to see such dysfunction. And then, of course, we saw the iconic picture that Rodgers and Adams both posted, the last dance with Michael Jordan, with the Michael Jordan picture. And Aaron Rodgers has talked to a lot of his friends, and apparently the report came out that Aaron Rodgers is supposed to return to training camp, and he will run it back for one last year with Devontae Adams. So what does the future look like for Green Bay when Rodgers and Adams leaves? Well, the quarterback of the future would be Jordan Love. Hasn't played a single snap yet. Hasn't really developed as far as we know. Isn't the best prospect I mean, yeah, the he's learning under Aaron Rodgers, which is really nice, but he's learning under a, dis, a, a pretty angry Aaron Rodgers, which isn't great. And Devontae Adams to lose, I think, the best receiver in football right now is just ridiculous. Where he goes, the Raiders and Vegas is calling his name. I think that makes the most sense. If Derek, if Derek Carr stays, it makes the most sense because I know he wants to run it back with Derek Carr. Man, would that be such a great pickup for for John Gruden and the boys in Vegas. But Green Bay, in the NFC, for right now, I think they're fine. In the future, it looks a little shaky. Even in the NFC North, because, you know, Chicago, if if coaching gets right and Justin Fields hits, Chicago's going to be a team of the future. 
Minnesota is very well run and very well coached. And Detroit is finally making the best management moves they've made in a while. And they seem to be drafting right. So the NFC North is going to be tough in the next couple of years. So if the Packers lose Rodgers and Adams, and all three of those teams, all management, all coaching, all those teams, all these draft picks, all their, they all work out, free agency, everything. Where will the Packers be in five years? Will Jordan Love be the Will Jordan Love be the quarterback of the future? With no Devontae Adams, who's their number one receiver? Only time will tell. And the NFL recently posed their NFL the NFL recently posed their vaccination rule plan. So basically, throughout the whole big spiel of the paperwork they had, if teams that have unvaccinated players cause a COVID outbreak and they possibly miss a game, not only they miss a game, but they cause their team to miss a game, it will be counted as a forfeit and will be tallied as a loss and go against playoff seeding. So basically, if you have a bunch of unvaccinated players that get COVID, spread it throughout the team, and they can't play, and it spreads to the other team, and they can't play, you get the loss, and it really hurts your playoff seeding. My question is, is it just for unvaccinated players, or can vaccinated players also cause the outbreak? Because it has shown that vaccinated people still do get COVID. So if a vaccinated player gets COVID, spreads it throughout his team to also vaccinated people, did the same rules still apply? Because it doesn't say that in the NFL rules. And one of the biggest problems I have with this is DeAndre Hopkins came out and said he would possibly threaten to, he would rather retire than get the vaccine, which again, I don't care whether or not you get the vaccine or not. It's all a personal choice. If you feel like you want to get it or not, it's no big deal. I'm not going to judge you either way if you get it or not. But DeAndre Hopkins said he would rather retire than get it. And especially since he said that if it hurts his team, he'd rather retire than hurt his team with their chances of winning. So is the NFL being a little bit too strict or does it feel as though the NFL is pushing? Are they pushing players to get the vaccine too much? I feel like they are. I think the NFL needs to back off. They need to give their players the chance and give them the decision of whether they want to get vaccinated or not. Some players have said, like, yeah, I'm not getting it. Like, some well-known players, like DeAndre Hopkins himself, have been like, yeah, I'm not getting it. Jalen Ramsey, I'm not getting it. Taylor Decker, I know from the Lions, I'm not getting it. But they'll be the ones that will get blamed if they don't get vaccinated. And coaching staffs, from what I know, are mainly vaccinated. So all the coaching staff, so you won't, probably have a chance of your coaching staff going through a whole outbreak but players are different because they do have a choice but at the same time they really don't because the nfl is like come on get your vaccine come on get your vaccine we want we want to make sure you guys get your vaccine so you can play so you so now we got this new rule because then when they weren't all vaccinated they're like hey now we got this rule you're going to hurt your team you're going to lose a playoff seating chance if you don't if you don't get vaccinated come on boys got to get vaccinated i just hate the way they're doing this I don't like how every league has done it, but the NFL seems way too pushy. Granted, like there have been numbers that have come out that the NFL has said that like 70 to 80% of each team. So like almost like 70, 80% of the league is vaccinated, which is fine. If that amount of players are vaccinated, this league should be fine. 
But again, I guarantee week one, we're going to get some vac- We're going to get some unvaccinated player that's going to have some outbreak and then vaccinated players are going to get it. It's going to be, it's going to cause a problem. And I'm really not looking forward to this being a problem like it was last year because it really was annoying when sort of stuff like this happened. Only time will tell. I hope nothing happens to any team. I hope we can just play this season. I hope we can enjoy all 18 weeks of football this year and just have a great season. Can't we? Can we owe that at least? Can we get a nice season? Can COVID stop? Can we? Can we get a nice season? Like, come on now. So that's going to do it here for episode three of the Leech Lounge. I want to thank everybody for listening. These episodes take a long, long time to put together and edit just it takes you know 30 plus minutes in general just to record and even longer to edit i'm sorry it took me a lot longer to do this episode just been really busy the past few weeks and new stuff just kept coming out and i just decided you know what i'm just gonna wait until the next week to do it so hope everybody enjoyed episode three episode four i'm gonna try to keep on schedule and get it out next week but i hope everybody enjoyed I'll see you guys in the next one for episode four. I have been Hunter Leach. Thank you so much for listening to the Leach Lounge. Peace out.